Father, you are here. We are here. May we be here together now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, St. Mikey's. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So when I was uh, a little boy, besides playing with my He-Man action figures and micro-machines and G.I. Joes, I used to uh, like playing board games. Anybody like playing board games? Yeah? Any Candyland fans? Candyland, Hungry Hungry Hippos, Clue? Oh, come on. Life? Monopoly came a little bit later. I would actually, you know what? I'm so confident in my Monopoly skills, I'll destroy every single one of you. I have amazing Monopoly skills. But my favorite game as a child, I used to play this with my older sister, was the game Guess Who. Everybody familiar with Guess Who? I loved Guess Who. My favorite game. Two players, two opponents, each with a rack of 24 individual illustrated cartoon facial images. You pick a card to find out who your character is going to be, and then the game begins. Just ask your opponent identifying questions pertaining to their character. Does your person wear glasses? Does your person have a big nose? Does your person wear a hat? Does your you know, person have brown hair? Until you feel you have sufficient enough information to attempt a guess at who their person is. It's so simple. It's so fun. And I destroyed my sister all the time. I was great at guess who. I might have been good playing Guess Who with my older sister when I was five. Do you want to know what? I am terrible. I am awful at playing Guess Who with God. If God's face is on that rack of 24 images, I will typically guess the wrong one. In my attempt to fully understand who God is as a person, and my attempt at making out his face among others, I will fail time and time again. And I know I'm not the only one with this problem. All of us deal with this. We all stink at playing guess who with God. We ask guess who God questions like, does your God cause suffering and death and havoc in the world and in my life? Does your God stand idly by in the clouds in some indifferent way, some stoic to what's occurring on in the world, what's going on right now, what's going on in my life and circumstances? Does your God look upon me with disgust and disappointment? Does your God just wait for me to make a mistake so he can punish me with a disease or cancer and ultimately throw me into eternal conscious torment and hell? Does your God, is your God like that? Does your God ask me to trust him and then pulls the rug out from underneath me and abandons me in some sort of calamity or catastrophe that he caused? Does your God give blessings and gifts if I think or say or do the right thing, but if I fail or make a mistake, he takes them away from me? Does your God stop loving me, caring for me when I'm confused or doubting or questioning or afraid and possibly even angry with him? Now, the fact that these concepts and questions even exist among human beings is an implication that there is something wrong. Not wrong with God, there's something wrong with us. Our image, our concept, our understanding of God is fundamentally warped. It's distorted. It's broken. 
See, in the beginning, humans were created to be perfect, pristine mirrors. God's light shined upon us. We received it, and we reflected his light back to him and to each other in perfect, harmonious love. We were God's image bearers meant to mirror his character to all of creation. People, plants, trees, animals, birds, fish of the sea, all of it. And in the story of the Garden of Eden, we see there that we rejected God. We didn't want him anymore. And we, ref we refused to be who God created us to be. And these mirrors were shattered into pieces. We're broken beyond repair. And because of that, not only our image of God, but also image of self and others was marred and misshapen. We're all disoriented. And this malformed image is at the helm. It steers our lives and relationships, whether we are aware of it or not. We think too highly of ourselves, or we think too lowly of ourselves, and we do the same with others. We believe we have the keys to the kingdom. We believe we have the knowledge of what is good and what is evil, and what is the result of that. Injustice, corruption, exploitation, addictions, domestic violence, child neglect, verbal and physical abuse, self-deprecation, hatred, racism, murder, genocide, war, despair, division, malice, strife, and any other type of evil, including atrocities done to human beings in the name of God. We are all victims and perpetrators of this in our minds, the way we think, in our words, the way we speak, or maybe even in action. This broken and warped image just perpetuates. Generation after generation, we're born into a particular time in history, into a culture, into a, a particular society, into our families of origin, where our beliefs and values and practices are shaped and molded, but inherently in a broken system. If you have children, be of good cheer. You will contribute to their brokenness. You're going to break them even though you don't want to, because you can't help it. You are not capable of providing all that a human being needs to grow into full maturity and wholeness. It's impossible. Don't use it as an excuse. Kids, don't blame your parents. Who's ever watching on YouTube Lab? And I'm looking at some kids right now. Older kids. Come on, you're not children. Save for college. Do all that and save for a really good therapist because they're going to need it. They're going to have to work through their mommy and daddy issues. Trust me on that one. We are broken people, breaking people. But God's light in the midst of that reality and that broken system never ceased from shining. Shining into the darkness. The darkness did not extinguish the light. It did not overcome it. But at the same time, the darkness, our darkness, could not comprehend the light. We couldn't understand it. Through God's created order, we catch a glimpse of who God is, but that's, it's not enough. Through God's gift of revelation, this law, these commandments that he gave through Moses, it tells us a little bit about God, but it's not enough. 
And the reason why it's not enough, because we are fundamentally impaired. Our eyes are darkened. Our ears are hard of hearing. We are spiritually blind and deaf. We need someone to come up close and personal. We need someone to tell us the whole truth of God. We need someone who's going to tell us the whole story of God. We need someone who has a perfect and complete relationship with God. Someone who knows God fully to inform us cognitively, emotionally. Someone that could show us physically, experientially, who God really is. A perfect mirror is what we need. Someone to reflect the light of God, to illuminate and enlighten us, to show us what it looks like to be a full human as God intended. That's what we need. The human plight is that person does not exist. There is no such human being. There is no such mirror on earth because we're all broken glass. And so we are trapped. We are stuck We are in a cage of darkness of our own making and without hope in the world. And then we come to John's Gospel. And John has a message for us. He has good news. Because he believes there is such a person. A revealer to set the record straight so that all the guesswork of God can stop. He believes this because he met him. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory. We saw it. The glory of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. God became human. This is the incarnation. This is God's enfleshment that we celebrate during Christmas. God comes down and Jesus Christ into the distortion and the darkness and the brokenness and he sits at the guess who rack and says no to all our concepts and questions. All 24 images are slapped down on that board and there's no one else to choose from. And so we ask, well, if God's not any of these people, well then, well then who is he? And Jesus points to himself and he says, I am. I am the bread of life that truly feeds, that truly nourishes, and truly sustains. If you come after me, you will never hunger, you will never thirst. I am the door of the sheep. I am the access point to salvation and healing and redemption and freedom. Everyone else, just thieves and liars, everything else is merely a half-truth. I am the resurrection and the life. Death has no hold on you. I've conquered death. I am the good shepherd. I take care of my sheep. I look after my lambs with compassion and understanding, and I give my life for them. I am the true vine. You are my branches. Be attached to me. Abide in me and allow my life to flow through you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the source of all truth of God, of all knowledge of God. No one comes to the Father except by me. No one understands God except through me because I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall never walk in darkness but have the light of life. When you see me, you see God. When you see me, you see the Father. For I and the Father are one. 
I know the Father and the Father knows me. I love him and he loves me. Before Abraham was, before the world began, I am. That's what Jesus says. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart. He has made him known. In the face of Jesus, we see who God really is. Compassionate and good and beautiful, caring and kind, strong yet gentle, attentive, joyful, adventurous, playful, patient, trustworthy, faithful, forgiving, loving to everyone, without question, without condition, without end, without fail. We saw this in his life and then the ultimate expression, we saw it in his suffering and death. It's at the cross we see those same hands that spun the earth into orbit, the same hands that scattered the heavens with stars, the same hands that formed you and I in the womb of our mothers, stretched out upon the cross and pierced with the nails of our rejection of him. It's at the cross where we see we are people in desperate need of a liberator, of a savior, of a redeemer. So the cross shows just how bad the state of humanity is that it calls for God hanging on a cross, suffering and dying for us. And we find how deeply valued we are, how ridiculously loved we are, because we see a God who is willing to endure it. God's love and our greatest need, meeting together. And Jesus not only came to show and tell, but to do the impossible that nothing and no one else could do. He came to fix our mirrors. He came to heal and repair us, to gather up the broken pieces and put us back together, to restore us back to who we were created to be, to be reborn. God's child becomes a human and was broken and given for us so that we, broken humans, might be healed and become children of God. So that we, through Jesus, can share in the same intimacy and love that the Father and the Son shared before creation began. Andrew told me to sing a song for this sermon. Yes, I remember. It's a children's song. I'm my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. Who knows that song? I'm my beloved and he is mine. His banner over me is love. It's a lot of truth in children's songs. This is the truth of who God is and the truth of who we are. And in light of all this, why do I, do we still experience a toxic image of God and self? Why do we question God the way we do? Why do we ask these God who questions? Why do I devalue myself? Many times something happens in my life and everything gets tripped up and this image of self and God gets unearthed and I discover it's like stepping on a piece of glass in the kitchen barefoot. You thought you swept it all up and it was all gone, but then you find it. It's part of our journey. It's part of the journey. You could say the healing of our image of self and God is the spiritual journey. But it's not this life, this phase of existence is not the end of the story. So I end with this. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. He says, we know only a portion of the truth and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, 
Our incompletes will be canceled. We don't see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. In the end, all will be well. No more tears, no more sorrow, no more confusion, no more broken glass, no more guess who. For we will know him as we have always been known. Merry Christmas and amen.